Well, hi, my name is Brian Leeson, and I've been coming to All Nations Church now for over 30 years, and have been on the staff team for over 11 years. For those of you that don't know me, I'm married to an amazing lady called Joy, and we have two children, Ben and Rebecca. Uh, I still like to think of them as children, but Ben's 23 and Rebecca's 20. So Joy and I have entered that new phase in our lives of being home alone. Well, today is the fourth in our series about faith over fear. And today's preach is based around 1 John chapter 4, 16 to 18. Let's just read that. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Oh, let's pray. Father, we come before you, we submit to you. And Lord, you're amazing. And Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning. You would speak to us this morning. Lord, you would use my words to speak really clearly to each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, I want to start talking about fear to start with. What is it? What does it look like in our lives? Where does it come from? And what does God say about fear? I know some of these questions may have been answered over the last few weeks but sometimes we need to hear things more than once for them to impact us. I also want to share one or two examples from my own life as I've struggled with fear quite a lot. So what is fear? A dictionary definition is our emotional reaction to something that seems dangerous. People fear things or situations that, that make them feel unsafe or unsure. People tend to avoid the situations or things they fear. I think that's quite an accurate definition. I heard someone talk about fear that grips us. I think that's often how it feels. We can become gripped by fear. It feels like it controls us, overtakes us. In Neil Anderson's book, Freedom from Fear, he says, fear is a thief. It erodes our faith, plunders our hope, steals our freedom, and takes away our joy of living the abundant life in Christ. Now there was a prophetic word that was spoken about last week, which I thought was very appropriate to what we're talking about today. And this is what it was. This is a time to keep and a time to throw away. It's a time for God to clear out the rubbish, to deal with the things in our lives that stop us being fruitful for him. And whether we like it or not, 
fear stops us being fruitful. I don't want anything to stop me from being fruitful for God. So where does fear come from and how do we get it? Well, fear is a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3 tells us that as soon as Adam and Eve had eaten the apple, they became fearful. Because of the fall, we were all born physically alive, but spiritually dead. Fear was the first emotion recorded in Scripture after the fall. Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Man was separated from God through sin and fear entered because all security with God was gone. Now that's interesting in itself. We were meant to be in relationship with God where we had full security and safety. That security and safety was broken through the fall, enabling things like fear to enter. Now, did you know that when you let fear get a hold of you, it's a sin. Not all fear, obviously. The Bible talks about having a right fear of God, being in awe of him. That's a good fear. We could also have good fear that is just like a warning, like a fire or anything that could be dangerous in that way. That's not meant to make you feel any worse or condemn you. But the truth is the truth. And if we allow fear to reign, it's ungodly and it's a sin. So let's think of one or two different fears. Fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of man, fear of heights, fear of spiders, fear of death, fear of flying, fear of confrontation, fear of losing my salvation. There's lots more fears, so many more fears. We do need to respect other people's fears. It can be easy to judge people just because we don't understand how they feel. But often having fear can be very painful. So let's not judge anyone for the fear that they may have. I also want to just focus on for a moment um, how we are made, because I think that's really important, that we have a spirit, we have a soul. Now, our soul is our mind, our will and our emotions, and obviously we have a body. And that any part of us can react to fear. Our body can react to fear, our emotions, our thinking can get massively impacted by fear. And the, the effects of fear are numerous. On the body, sweating, anxiety, increased heartbeat, upset stomach, shaking. On our minds and emotions, fear is a negative emotion. Our mind can be affected with fearful thoughts. We're robbed of peace, loss of sleep. Fear makes you retreat, hide, not want to engage with anyone. Now, I do want to say that some of these fears can be huge. And if you struggle with fear, 
it can have such a massive impact on your life and your ability to live normally. If that's you, there's no condemnation today, but compassion for you and love from us, but also our amazing Father God. I've struggled with fear a lot, um, and I want to share one or two of my fears that I've had with you. A few years ago, we took the family on an activity holiday in the French mountains and had to travel in our car to do some canyoning, which is jumping off rocks into deep water. And we had to travel on this very windy road that took us up a mountain and down the other side. We got higher and higher and higher. And I was driving and obviously on the right-hand side of the road and in a right-hand drive car. And there was a sheer drop right beside me. There was no barrier on the edge of the road. It was a nightmare for me and I felt so afraid and fearful. I was relieved when we got to the top, but then of course we had to go all the way down the other side. And then later in the day, once we'd done the canyoning, we had to do it all over again and go back home. To be honest, I struggled to drive the car. Um, I think I drove in the middle of the road. Joy was more afraid that we were going to hit a car coming the other way. I was so relieved when we got home. But when I went to bed that night, as soon as I closed my eyes, I was right up that mountain again and had a terrible night's sleep. It just shows you the effect that fear can have on you and that we will go to any lengths not to experience that again. Absolutely. On that holiday, a couple of days later, we went on a high ropes course in the trees. And I was really pleased with how I'd coped with that because I don't like heights. And then the family wanted to go up the mountain. Uh, and so we went on this open ski type lift where you have your legs dangling. I tried not to think about it and just went with it and said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Um, but as we got higher and higher and the trees came underneath us and it started swinging a little in the wind, I was terrified and hated every minute of it. So much so that I let the family come down on the lift and I walked or ran down the mountain. When I was in my 20s, I got knocked off my bicycle by a car. And in the next few weeks, at any junction, I couldn't trust any car as I thought they were gonna go into me. I guess part of that can be seen as healthy to protect myself. But if that mistrust of cars had grown into a much bigger fear, that would have been very unhealthy. Now, just one more. 10 years or so ago, I used to lead worship here at the North Site. Uh, and in the whole week up to the Sunday, I was anxious and fearful about what I was gonna do on the Sunday. I think it was fear of man, fearing what other people think, but in a really ungodly way that matters far too much what people think. It was always great on the day and, and God was really good but the whole week before was a massive challenge and it was always in the back of my mind and I couldn't relax. And then afterwards, of course, I would worry whether what I had done was all right or not. 
I'm so glad that I don't get that anymore. The fear of man is one that isn't quite so obvious as the others, where we rely far too much and are focused far too much on what other people think. It stops us from stepping out for fear of what they think. Of course, some fears that develop can be far more serious. Fears that develop after someone has hurt you in some way, or even something like abuse. Maybe they betrayed your trust. These can enable deep fears to develop that can make life very, very painful and difficult. It can become very difficult to trust people when we have been let down. But you know, there is hope for all of us today. For we have a God that we can trust completely, 100%. And the Bible says, do not fear so many times. It is a command, which means that we can be free from it. God has made a way. One thing I want you to take away from this talk is that God has made a way so that you could be free from fear. I know it's a big statement, and if you've struggled with fear your whole life, that can be scary. But the reality is God wants us to get these things out of the way so we can be more fruitful for him. Now, for some, it can be part of a very long journey, and we have to learn to stand strong on the word of God and let him deal with some of the things in our lives that have made us fearful. And he so wants to do that with us. Let's turn back to that passage that we read at the beginning. 1 John 4, 16 to 18. I'm gonna read it again. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we're like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now that first sentence is, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Do you know? We need to know and be reminded again and again that God loves us. Are you relying on it? Are you putting your weight on it like a chair? The next sentence says, love is made complete so that we will have confidence. Ah, oh, it's a wonderful thing to think that we can have such confidence in God's love for us and that it is complete. There's nothing more that needs to be done. God has done it all. Knowing God's love, relying on it, having confidence in it has to make such a difference in our lives and the way that we live our lives. I love the phrase, love drives out fear. It's like opening a door and saying, get out. That's what we're doing with fear today. 
so good to read these verses again. But if we're not careful, it just becomes head knowledge. It has to be more than head knowledge. We need it and it's good and right, but it can't stop there. In the same way that fear can affect every part of us, God wants every part of us to be impacted by his love. In Ephesians chapter five, it, it says, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're being encouraged to live a life of love. That sounds great to me. I so want to be able to live a life of love in everything that I do. To do that, I need to know his love more. I desperately need to know God's love more. 1 John chapter 3 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And then in verse 16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Now, I can't see the word lavish and not think about syrup sponge pudding. I just, I just can't. Uh, I've got a plate here. And I want you to imagine, I'm sorry there isn't a real one, but I want you to imagine a syrup sponge pudding, just in the middle there, just rounded with syrup flowing down the sides. It's like I've got it in a jug, I'm gonna pour it all over and it just flows down the sides, pouring down onto the plate. You see, lavish means lots and lots and lots. I don't like it when I go to a restaurant and they just give you a little bit or a little bit of custard. No, 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 lavish means loads and loads and loads. And then of course, on top of the syrup and the sponge, we then pour the custard and it just all comes down the side, running off the side of the plate. And then maybe just a little dollop of ice cream on top. Oh, I know it's massively indulgent, but for me, it's a great picture of how we can relate the love of the Father. If, if that's lavish about syrup sponge pudding, think how his love for us is. It's gonna be way, way more than any syrup sponge. It's not just a little bit. It's not just a small measure. It's lavish. It's so lavish that Jesus died for us. Jesus died so that we could all come into relationship so we would know that lavish love. It's outrageous. So how do we connect with the truth of these words in a way that changes us, that touches our hearts? I, th I think we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help. 
We so need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need his revelation. That's one of the jobs that he does. And actually, we're gonna just take a, a moment now to, to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that we can look to you and, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to know the love that Father God has for us. Each and every one of us, we pray, Holy Spirit, for your revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. God can't love you any more than he loves you today in this moment. It's just not possible. And tomorrow, he loves you the same and then loves you the same the next day and on and on and on and on. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more. Wow, what, what a relief, because he has done everything. And so there's nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore. That's incredible. So what has love got to do with fear? Fear comes through insecurity and being unsafe through sin and ungodly behavior. So I guess love is the opposite of that, knowing the love of Father God that brings safety, security, and his protection. In Psalm 91, we've got such a, a wonderful psalm about security and safety. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. The more we can live in the good of the love that Father God has for us and know the safety that he gives us, the more fear loses its grip on us and we're free to be more fruitful for him. So often I think our view of God is far too small because he is holy. God is righteous. He's faithful. He's loving. He's faithful. He's our Father, He's our Creator, He's gracious, He's merciful, He's our healer, He's our comforter, He's never ending, He's mighty, He's powerful, He's our Saviour, He's trustworthy, our rock. I can't just keep going on, there's so much of the bigger picture of who God is. And compared to God, fear is like a speck of dust. It's nothing compared to God. God did everything to win the battle so that we don't have to fear. The enemy wants us to fear, but we can overcome. When fear raises its head, it, began, it can become all-consuming and make us want to run. But God has overcome so we can go on a journey of standing on truth. I remember many years ago, I had some revelation of God's love for me and, and it was amazing. It impacted me greatly. For the first time, I felt what it was like to be loved by Father God. 
It impacted me in every way. And there was a lot of crying. When you know you're loved and you feel it, nothing else matters. Now for a long time, for a very long time, I feel like I constantly struggle with knowing his love again and knowing that connection with Father God. I guess I've lost some of my confidence in that. So it's been really encouraging for me to be looking at these verses and gives me courage to press into God and come into his presence and to have faith for being intimate with him because that's what he wants with us. The truth is that he hasn't changed. He is still the same. So the fault is with me. And over recent years, he's shown me lies that I've believed about myself and about God. These lies can become a real blockage for us so that we don't experience the love that he wants us to know and live in the good of. These lies can go back many years to our childhood. I spent many years hating myself and wanting to be someone else. But I came to realize that what right have I got to think things like that when I'm made in God's image? I've been able to repent of believing the lies and have chosen to believe the truth of God's word about me. And my view of me has changed, which is so great because Jesus because of Jesus, I'm fully acceptable and equal. I'm not inferior. And, and actually, I'm an amazing man of God. I'm not being big-headed in saying that. It's just the truth. Do you know what God thinks of you? What he really thinks of you? In Zephaniah chapter 3, it says, The Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's amazing truth for each and every one of us. He rejoices over us. He's pleased with you. That's not about anything that you've done. It's just who you are. But what's the reality? What's the reality? Maybe you think, I can't think like that. You're, you think you're a loser. God wouldn't think that about me. But actually, if you think you're a loser, that's a lie. If you think you're a failure, that's a lie. If you think you're worthless, that's a lie. If you think you're unacceptable, that's a lie. If you think you're inferior, that's a lie of the enemy. If you think you're ugly, that's a lie. As we come to the end, I want to just talk about one or two little steps that we can take. Firstly, if you're struggling with fear in any way, get support. That's why we have church family together. Tell someone that you're struggling. Don't focus on not fearing. Put your focus on something else. Think of how amazing God is. Remember, God is bigger and fear is like a speck of dust. It's about perspective. Give God opportunity to lavish his love on you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Position yourself so that you can receive. Ask God to show you if you have anything blocking your ability to receive his love. 
If he shows you something, repent of living under the lie and choose to believe the truth. Maybe that takes some time, but it's, it's worth it because he wants us to be free. Now, over a few years ago, I was running a course called Freedom from Fear. And if any of you are interested in looking at this a little more, please do let me know because I would love to, to help and very, very happy to, to run that course again. But time has gone. Let's pray. Father, you know everything about us. And Lord, we ask, would you please help us to work out the fears that we struggle with. Thank you that you're committed to us. Thank you, you want, you want us to be free from fear. And Lord, we, we, we lift our fears to you and ask for your help in Jesus' name. And we pray for fresh hope, fresh faith over fear in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.